Hi everyone, this is Alternative and I'm your host, Tatiana. All right, so let's get into more of a psychological lens here when looking at addiction. Um, I just think it's really essential to address this from different angles, lenses, and perspectives because uh, it is complex and I don't I obviously will miss some things, but um, I do want to touch on this from a few different angles because um, it's just kind of doing a disservice uh, to not talk about politics and um, social structures. So, and honestly, I am going to get into more of like an individualized psychological perspective, but while I do, it is similarly going to have themes of uh, systems and community just... Um, it's going to be brought down a little bit. So before I was talking about, uh, policies and like institutional things that are in place, and I'm still going to be talking about systems. It's just going to be, um, like family systems and smaller communities when discussing addiction. But, um, so first I want to talk about how addiction is most commonly discussed and how you have probably heard of addiction before. And maybe it has come up because perhaps you have a relative that struggles with addiction. And so this is the things that have been said about this relative and their addiction and how to go about treatment. Um, it's just kind of the norms of what is currently out there. But to be honest with you, um, the the um, current um, research is not in congruence with the way we are still treating addiction um, the majority of the time and the way we're talking about addiction. So, um, you know, it's how we're going about things, but I don't believe it's how we should continue to. And it's okay that we have been, but uh, when we look at the outcomes and what's actually happening here, then I think we need to adapt and not hold on so strongly to these beliefs and practices we have in place and rather begin to adapt and progress to things that might be more effective. Um, So um, currently we have like a disease model for addiction, which, um, you know, it is better than the purely like criminalization we're still we're still criminalizing addiction but um I guess before it was more of like a you're a bad person for being an addict and the disease model I guess is good in the sense that um it shifts and um transitions into like a no it's not you it's a disease um, and this disease has like done all these things to you and us. And, um, so yeah, so I think it does elicit, um, a little more compassion. And so for that, I do give that, the, that model, um, some recognition and respect and that's cool. Um, I appreciate that we're, le- we're less, um, we're doing less of, I don't know, a a little less shame, I guess. But uh, also when we look at the disease model, so that's the model that we're currently using. And then the treatment we're using is in congruence with that model. And the treatment, it's a lot of like AA and um, like interventions type, uh, type treatment. So I don't 
not that I'm against those methods of treatment because I do think they can help some people. And so I can't critique that if it's helped you or someone you love or whatever. But um, I do still think there's major room for improvement. And um, honestly, just research doesn't super support this model or those methods of treatment. Um, so contrary to popular belief, there's not actually an addiction gene or an alcoholic gene. Like there are genes um, that can be related to or involved in things that could be like could lead to addiction, I guess, but um there's not like an isolated gene. They haven't been able to find one. And so we keep talking about this alcoholic gene. Do I have it? Do I not? And um, it's just not really accurate. But um, so, but here's an idea. Maybe the addiction gene we are discussing is actually generational trauma. And um, yeah, maybe that's the gene. And so we want to call it an addiction gene because that puts it on biology, which might still be from your parents, but it, it's just biology and it's kind of like out of your control. And oops, I accidentally passed down this gene. I'm, oh, honey, I'm so sorry I gave you the, the gene rather than, oh, honey, I'm sorry because I uh, repeated patterns of emotional trauma that my parents did to me and now I'm doing to you. So I think it shifts a little bit of responsibility to biology rather than um, environment. And generational trauma just means that um, just essentially that your uh, parents had experiences in childhood from their parents that they might have not necessarily healed that was brought down to you. And if you don't do the work to heal that as much as you can before you reproduce, then you're going to continue to pass on those patterns of trauma. And this just goes back and back. It's not just uh, your parents and their parents and their, it's like, and their parents, like all these different um, history and uh, awful things that have happened to populations of people. This is passed down generation to generation. Um, so yeah, maybe that's the, that's the gene, obviously not a gene, but I think it's more comfortable to discuss it as a gene and as biology than it is, um, the generational trauma and other trauma that I'm discussing. So, um, yeah, so addiction is not a disease. It hasn't really been proven as a disease, um, to be a disease, um, and when we view addiction as a disease, we are still, while we're being compassionate to the individual, we're still putting addiction solely on the individual, like it's the individual's disease. And my perspective is more that addiction is like the, the disease comes from society and environment and family systems and not the individual themselves. And the addiction is just a response to the disease amongst them. Like the, um, whether that be like harmful dynamics, um, neglect, conditional types of love, um, different struggles and childhood traumas, or just, I mean, it could be a million things. And so I think addiction is honestly like a pretty natural response to the events. And um, addiction is often very, like, it's just very misunderstood, I guess. Um, 
And when I do talk about generational trauma, you know, it's not always going to show up in addiction. Like sometimes addiction is passed down uh, through the family, but um, it can also just manifest in other ways. It can manifest in anxiety and depression or addiction. Um, it, it can manifest in a lot of ways. So it's not just addiction, but um, the root of it often comes from a similar place. And um, yeah, so when we do, when we have like the disease model, we're not really listening or, or looking at the community, this, this individual's role in society. Do they feel like valuable and um, yeah, do they feel important? Do they feel loved and supported? And um, yeah, so when we look at the disease model and the treatments with the disease model, Honestly, they're just not super sustainable long term because we are missing all of these other pieces of the puzzle. And so we can treat the individual and we do and that's fine. It does work sometimes long term. Um, but most of the time it's more short, short term because you have this person at this fancy, super nice rehab facility where they're in a calm, cool environment. They have like a community of groups of people they talk to and they have like a therapist. They're healed from addiction and then they go right back into the environment that their addiction uh, began to first manifest and we expect them to stay uh, not addicted and not using any substances when we, I mean, we didn't change their environment at all. So it, it doesn't really, um, it's just not super sustainable. Um, and I think that we should treat families and communities rather than just the individual. And actually I think the family and dynamic and, uh, societal things going on, in my opinion, should take priority over the individual, not that we shouldn't treat the individual, but that that's where um, we should put more of not the, not the blame, but um, that's where I think we should shift, I guess, the responsibility to a little bit. Um, but what I'm saying here is very, very different than what is currently going on here. So with the disease model, we have AA. And um, listen, AA does work for some people and there are cool components about it. Um, it is like a community and you have a, a sponsor. And so that's like a direct community and then you have a bigger group of community and you share your experiences and you're vulnerable. And um, so I do think there are good things from AA, but I also do think it needs a lot of improvement. And so some people are very turned off by AA because of the like mandatory spiritual component to it. And, um, so I was just going to read to you, this just comes from like an addiction center website, but, um, just some of AA and why I'm not really down with it myself and why I understand other people might not be so down with it. Um, so the first is we have admitted, we admitted we are powerless over alcohol and that our lives have become unmanageable. So this is the first step. I just like this doesn't really uh, jive well with me because um, I think it's okay to like surrender to your existing circumstances and to feel like to just like accept and surrender and be like, okay, this is the way it is. I'm not going to pretend it's not this way anymore. But the whole like powerless thing, I just don't really, you know, I... 
I, I, I want to empower people. So I don't really totally understand that the first step is admitting that we're powerless. I would rather it be like, um, like I accept where I am and I'm working towards like gaining empowerment over my life and the situation. Um, the next step two is, um, we come to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Um, and again, I believe in a higher power and I, you know, I think it can help us, but what I don't really like about this is that I do think it can be helpful, but I don't think a higher power is the one and only thing. And again, we need to look at like families and community and society and, um, other things going on too. And so I don't think it's just a higher power. I also think that, uh, people who aren't like receptive to, or in a place where they would like to believe in a higher power, I don't think, uh, kind of like making them believe in a higher power because they're in a vulnerable position. I don't think that that is like 100% ethical in my opinion. Um, and I also, so this really talks about God as like, or a higher power as a very external thing. Like there is God and I am like weak, powerless, whatever. And I need God to like bring me up and restore me. And my belief of God, and I guess people have very different beliefs about God, but my belief about God is more that God lives within us. And so um, we can be acting with like divine guidance when we're listening to our own intuition and our own hearts, because that's where God is. Um, we're all connected to each other. We're connected to the earth. God lives in us. So I don't believe in things with such a dichotomy and separation. Um, and also this kind of like dependence on something separate than ourselves, but I would rather like integrate that into ourselves in our daily life. Um, step three is make a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand him. Um, this just, um, I get that this is some people's beliefs in general about their God and that's rad and that's cool. But again, I don't really believe in this kind of dichotomy. So if I were to be very spiritually involved, that would mean that I'm also just tuning into myself in congruence with the um, divide guidance and God and higher power. I believe I can go within. I don't have to go um, externally to receive that. And I also just don't believe that I have to like turn my will and life's over to anything other than um, myself, which again, that's where I believe God is chilling. I mean, he's chilling lots of places in nature and in everyone else too, but, and uh, heaven or wherever. And well, um, I'm not going to say that necessarily either. He's, it, it's like, okay, it's not really for me to say where God resides anyway, is it? No. Um, so, um, yeah, it just, this doesn't seem super empowering to me. It's, it's like this, um, kind of like, I just don't really so much believe in like, uh, like being obedient to something like bigger than us, because I don't think we would need to be obedient if, um, if it was like right for us anyway, it would just be like the natural direction for us to go in. I'm kind of going off on a tangent. I'll even talk more about my spiritual beliefs later. Um, and that obviously is influencing my perspective on this that I am looking at right here. But, 
Um, four is make a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So I'm like, I I'm, I just assume this means like we're looking at I, like our morals and if we're good or bad. I don't, I don't know. Is it like, oh, I, I, I don't know. I just, I'm not really feeling that. Um, five, uh, admit to God, to ourselves and to other human beings, the exact nature of our wrongs. Again, I don't like this because it says our wrongs and I get that people do, um, I guess like wrong people, uh, through the course of their addiction. But again, I don't think the addiction or whatever results from that addiction is necessarily the individual's fault or the wrongs. And so I do get apologizing and Uh, talking to people and connecting with others. And that's totally cool. But I think the other people in that addict's life need to do the exact same thing. It needs to be a mutual thing. And like the parents should probably say, I'm sorry, I um, didn't say I love you or whatever the situation was. um, If the addict is going to apologize for their wrongs too. Um, Six is we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects or care of character. And I don't like that. Uh, I don't think there's defects of character. I don't think it's a person's character traits and flaws. I don't think they did anything like innately wrong and they're not innately bad. And there's not a defect of your character. There's a probably a defect of your circumstances. And this was just um, a way of responding in the, the way it manifested. So um, humbly at a seven is humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Again, I don't think addicts should perceive themselves to have shortcomings. And so my whole issue with, uh, and it just goes on and on about other like writing your wrongs or whatever and apologizing and such, which is fine. Um, but like, uh, to me, all these things like really embody and perpetrate guilt and shame, which addicts already have. Let me tell you, you don't really need to like, uh, squeeze it out of them or accentuate it. They already feel very guilty shameful and embarrassed. And I think these emotions um, in and of themselves are what make addiction very hard to overcome. And so I I just, when perspectives uh, kind of like orient, orientate, I don't uh, go in that direction, that's where I'm a little bit turned off and concerned because um, I, I believe that the, that kind of shame and guilt is, um, what continues the addiction and worsens it. And it needs to be totally replaced with unconditional love and support. So, um, okay. So, Oh, the other like method of treatment is like uh, interventions and rehab. And there is a show called Intervention. And oh, it just does not sit well with me. And I've done some research about that show specifically and like the style of intervention they were using. And honestly, a lot of styles of intervention come from like pastors and not psychologists. And they're just pretty outdated. Um, yeah, that show just does not, ugh, I don't like it. It's very, um, there's a lot of exploitation of the addicts and yeah. And then they, I guess like the show pays for their rehab. Um, but a lot of times the addicts relapse after a period of time. Cause like I said, they're being put back into their previous environment. So it's just 
not really sustainable. But um, yeah, so the thing about interventions too that I'm going to critique is that like at an intervention, again, they elicit shame and guilt. And um, they, it's like family members say like, this is how you've wronged me. This is how you've hurt me, blah, blah, blah. Um, We love you, but you have to go to rehab. And that's not really, and I love you. That's not, and I, that is not unconditional to say like, I love you, but I support you if this is all conditional and this is the freaking problem. Um, It just, continues this guilt and shame. I promise you addicts already feel bad. Please do not add fuel to the fire. Do you know how hard it is for an addict to say they did go to rehab and then they relapse and then they admit that to their family? I mean, they are just in utter feelings of guilt, shame, and these are stored so deeply and painfully in our bodies that like we want some relief and escape from them. And so that could come in a substance or an experience or whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, families don't need to, to do this anymore. And I think, uh, the intervention should actually be with the entire family. Um, Hey, please accept, uh, your son's uh sexual sexuality that they came out about like maybe that's the issue um you know please validate their experiences of why they perceived this event to be traumatic like uh, there needs to be like family family dynamic therapy going on in my opinion and a community a strong community should be created whether that be within the family friends um or like, I don't know, a dance class. I don't know. Culturally in the U S we are not super awesome at community. Um, because, uh, we're just so individualistic, but other cultures that are better, I would guess they have way less addiction just in my opinion. So I think addiction comes from a lack of connection, um, meaning. And I do think, so I think we should provide, um, alternative places to receive this without totally cutting off this substance, like immediately, even though sometimes that's okay. Sometimes that works. But I also uh, do have the belief that people can, um, not all the time, but sometimes they can actually use the substance that they were once addicted to and they could use it, uh, moderately. That's just my belief. Um, I know it's a pretty controversial one, but the people that are totally sober, I think that's awesome too. Um, I'm not, um, I don't want to like lessen that, but, um, the thing is about like AA and interventions and stuff. Um, I need to pull up the exact statistic, but, uh, most people do not recover from an intervention. Most people just do on their own. And so I can't necessarily explain that to you. Um, But my guess would be it comes from a place of empowerment, not disempowerment and powerlessness um, that is discussed in AA. And uh, perhaps they find better communities. I don't know. I can't tell you. But more people recover that way than they do with interventions in AA. So why are we acting like AA and interventions are like the only and the best way to go about it? It's just um, not... It's just there's not really evidence for it, so why don't we move forward? Um, Sorry, I'm just kind of like a little bit all over the place. So I think we should treat families. I think we should provide um, connection, support, and unconditional love. And so what you can do if you are the loved one of an addict is tell them that you love them unconditionally, whether they are using or not. Um, 
I don't think you need to tell them you love them, but you really hurt me when you were drunk at this event and you did this. I just, it's just not really um helpful. So, um, okay, what else do I want to say about those? It's just like, there's so, so, so much to get into here. Um, oh, okay. Yep. The last thing I'd like to talk about is that, um, is that there are all kinds of addictions. Um, there people can be addicted to exercising and caffeine and social media. Some people think, um, well, if we, you know, take someone and they're not addicted to alcohol anymore, they went to rehab, they recovered. And, um, now they're doing great. They exercise like all the freaking time like obsessively. Well, guess what? Now they're addicted to exercising if we didn't solve the root of the problem. And I know this sounds crazy to people because it's like, well, but exercising equals healthy and alcohol equals unhealthy and bad. And it's, um, the thing is, I think we should have certain outlets and certain things in our life, but with moderation and balance and even exercising something that is like societally viewed as good and, um, moral can be excessive and it can be like a manifestation of um, someone coping with a deeper rooted issue. And that issue still needs to be addressed. However, that addiction manifests whatever the substance or experience is. Um, So I just, I advocate for balance in all aspects of life. Um, And yeah, I sometimes just feel consumed in social media to the point where I know I'm coming to it so that I do feel connection. And it's more of like a perception of connection, especially if I'm not being super authentic. And um, I am like putting on this representation of myself that's not true. And then people affirm that and that's not true. But I do think there's a way for me to use social media where I am being authentic and I am attracting people that do genuinely support me and aren't fake and people I support. And I do think there's a way you can create community that way and attract um, people into your life that way. But again, I like to use it in moderation and I do, I do know when I'm kind of going to it for, um, connection or relief or distraction. And sometimes I do just delete all my apps to get a little break, but I also believe that it's possible for me to have them and, um, use them in a way that's more balanced as well as authentic. So, um, yeah, I don't know. A lot of us are addicted to coffee, caffeine, and we're totally cool with that because it's so normal, but like it is a stimulant that you need in the morning. So just uh, think about the things in your life that you might be dependent on and that, you know, maybe you're an addict after all. And so viewing addicts to be bad or whatever, you might want to change that belief. Um, and we might want to just change how we view how we view addiction and uh, the people in our lives that struggle with addiction and the kind of love and support we give and offer them. Let's make it more, um, let's just make it unconditional, period. Um, And let's get some policies in place that uh, make people feel more connected and free and less ashamed and embarrassed. So that's all I guess I have on that for now, even though I know this was a bit of a rant. I just am kind of on fire about this. And I think we just need to be freaking more empathetic and more realistic here. So, uh, all right. Okay, everyone. (laughs) Love fully, be authentic, and live alternatively.
Hey everyone, my goal with this podcast is to bring light to alternative perspectives and practices with hopes to spread connection, community, empathy, and empowerment. So if you enjoyed this podcast and think someone else you know might enjoy it as well, I would really appreciate if you would share it with them directly or share this episode on social media so that we can continue and expand these discussions.